Welcome to Ageless by Rescue. This podcast is devoted to exploring the science of rejuvenation, uncovering the most trusted experts, the must-have products, innovations, and technology in the field of vitality, aesthetics, new beauty, and cosmetic enhancement. Clinical nutritionist Sarah DiLorenzo has dedicated her career to overhauling the health of Australians of all ages. Growing up with a father who is a psychiatrist and a mother who is a nurse, caring for health of others has always been in Sarah's DNA. Sarah's Greek heritage meant family meals were based on the Mediterranean diet, and it's those principles of healthy eating and fresh produce that guide Sarah's holistic approach to health and wellness. For over three years, Sarah has been a regular presenter on Weekend Sunrise and Sunrise as a health and diet expert, sharing information with viewers on a healthy diet and eating the right foods to help with sleep, stress, weight loss, immunity, and slowing down the aging process. Her approach is not about the latest fad diets or quick fixes, nor is it about denying ourselves of the foods that we love. Sarah's method is a long-term strategy using a combination of portion education and sensible intermittent fasting that gives clients and followers the tools they need to be a healthy weight for life and to feel and look good inside and out. In this episode, I invited Sarah to share her insights on metabolic health, managing glycemic and cortisol spikes, and alternatives to drugs and fad diets to manage perimenopause and hormonal weight gain. Sarah's program and books focus on sustainable and beauty-boosting lifestyle changes that are truly transformative and sustainable. Beyond detoxes and celebrity trends, Sarah's experience as a clinical nutritionist is founded on evidence-based, scientific, and proven changes that work, and they work fast. Sarah's first book, The 1010 Diet, The Healthy Way to Lose 10 Kilos in 10 Weeks, was published by Simon & Schuster in January 2022, quickly becoming a bestseller followed by the 1010 Diet Recipe book, and now Sarah's third book, The 1010 Kickstart, has hit all the bestseller lists and currently is in the top five nonfiction Australian books. There is no better guest to talk about nutrition and sustainable weight management than my friend, Sarah DiLorenzo. Well, Sarah, uh, this is a conversation that, you know, I feel like is a date with destiny. Um, <laughs> and it's so timely because there is just so much conversation around. And I've entitled this episode, Zempic is not the only magic bullet. And it's because of a conversation that we started to have uh, about a week ago, that we are all looking for something that's going to hit fast hit dramatically so that other people notice as well as we notice. And um, I'm really curious from your, you know, uh, from your professional point of view as a clinical nutritionist and also someone who has done so much research into this area, why is it that we're so suddenly taken with this latest iteration of a wonder drug? Oh, Ozempic, where do I start? And where do I start with answering that? Look, first of all, I think we're all, I mean, if you just look at the history of the diet world and I just, you know, everything back from, you know, fat's the bad guy and this and that, we've always, we've been in a constant search 
for the solution to actually to get to our healthy weight or our happy weight or our goal weight. But, you know, we're juxtaposed to a world that's full of processed and refined foods and we've got quick quick fixes with food and we're always looking for with just processing and refined foods and we're also looking for quick fixes, obviously, with getting to our goal weight. And, or our, and so I find, I think it's really hard for a lot of people and like it's almost like who's to blame? Is it the food industry for <clears throat> a lot of refined produce and so this is where, or is it, is it, is it advertising? Is it, I mean, you, but there's a whole lot of stuff, stuff that we are um, confronted with and food is so accessible. And this is what I always talk to my patients about, you know, that we've got, we've got this drive for hunger and we've got quick fixes, but, and that's where it sort of comes into Ozempic. So now I'm just going to preface this with, I'm a very big believer in pharmaceutical medications where they have their place and they have their place for certain people. Ozempic is for people who are completely compromised with their health. They are a type two diabetic who could have, who, who could be having, you know, amp, amp, potential amputations or ulcerated legs who could have issues with their vision. They're also for people who are morbidly obese for whatever reason, they have a morbid obesity. So these people are already completely compromised. So something like Ozempic is fantastic for them to get them out of a danger zone and get them into a healthy weight. Now, Ozempic will advertise itself as a, as a, in a weekly injection and um, it always talks about it's only a short-term solution. So it advertises itself that it needs to be done with healthy diet and exercise as well. Now, it's an appetite suppressant. So, so what, it's an old school, like yeah. as a diet drug, yeah. the thing that's in play here is purely that it's an appetite suppressant. It's not Correct. doing anything else? No. So what it does is it suppresses your appetite and it gets rid of your... and it's So says, just like Fen-Fen was 20 years ago or diet pills were 50 years ago, it's the same principle. It's Suppress not, just, your appetite but not change your behaviour. Well, it also works on blood glucose. So it works with production of insulin. So it helps us with our blood glucose regulation, which is why it's so good for type 2 diabetics. Unlike something like Duramine, historically, that remember That's Duramine? Oh. Speed. That was speed, <laughs> yeah. right? Speed. I mean, what are we doing yeah. to ourselves? It just, it just, uh, I mean, it just, it makes me actually really sad um, when I Think about that. So, yeah, no, it works with uh, elevating our, our insulin production, which works with our blood glucose, which is why it's perfect for people with type 2 diabetes. Now, what has happened is, obviously, influencers have got their hands on it. They've posted their Ozempic journey. They talk about the, they've posted, you know, this huge weight loss. It also slows down the emptying of our stomach. So there's as well, like whatever you eat, I think it just slows down that. Now, this has been used by celebrities. There was jokes at the Oscars recently about the Ozempic face. The Ozempic <laughs> face, right? There's all not a things. compliment. That is not a compliment. No, and and Kim Kardashian very has been the Kardashians use it. That she used it to get into that Marilyn Monroe dress, apparently. I mean, okay, so I've been hearing about it a lot. I am completely and utterly against it for so many reasons. First of all, it does not teach you a healthy relationship with food. All it teach and every single what happens when you stop injecting yourself with Ozempic, you put the weight back on because psychologically you haven't educated yourself on how to eat, what to eat, how to work that in with your circadian rhythms, understanding your portion control, the importance of that holistic approach of sleep, diet, exercise that gets people to lose weight and keep that weight off for life because they've changed 
from they've changed their ways from their old normal that made them overweight in an unhealthy weight. They've learned a long-term solution. So Ozempic is a, a short-term solution. What horrifies me about this, and I've, I've kind of tried to look at the long-term studies. First of all, side effects, dizziness, nausea, diarrhea, vomiting, constipation, right? They're, and in the clinical trials of this, 73% of participants suffered those mild symptoms on a Which serious... aren't really that mild. They're I mean, not mild, but I'm going to... Yeah. You know, who would actively seek out to be nauseous, constipated, have diarrhea, feel dizzy, lose, you know, all those things. It isn't mild. And anything that has side effects, you know, people become fixated with an outcome that they're seeking. But the side Correct. effects are real and they impact your life and they impact your wellness and mood, uh, quality mood. of life and vomiting. But this is the other, this is what, this is where I am completely freaked out. So gallbladder disease, kidney failure, pancreatitis, increased risk of thyroid cancer, hypoglycemia, which of course is like seizures and and, um, dizziness, blurred vision. Okay, so let's just stop on two things here. Let's stop on on thyroid. So our thyroid governs our metabolism, right? So what are these people going to do if they fall into the serious category? And they've taken Ozempic over a period of time that they don't need because of vanity reasons. How are they going to feel when they have to get their thyroid removal? They're possibly in a high a risk of thyroid cancer. Now, I don't know the percentage risk of that. But the other one, and this is for me the most alarming, pancreatitis is a precursor for pancreatic cancer. Pancreatic cancer is one of those silent cancers that people don't realize they've got till they're stage four. It's sort of like right. ovarian cancer. So I, my question to a 35-year-old who wants to look hot for the whatever, who wants to just go and do these weekly injections, my question is, I would say to that person, I'd like to talk to your 70-year-old self. And at 70, I want to talk to 70-year-old you. And I want to say, how do you feel knowing that you have you have possibly got pancreatic cancer because of a, a vain choice a short-term solution at at 35 years old to stick a needle in your I mean the whole process just alarms me anyway of just actually putting a needle in my body to that I can't even comprehend and my question to these people is is how would how would you feel with that diagnosis knows knowing that you could not be a grandparent you won't have any kind of health span. But we know that people don't think long-term. We we actually scientifically know that people are always, and and the more that we're kind of dopamine addicted and living in the now. Serotonin releases. And and short-term addicted. We're looking for, you know, everyone is looking for a quick fix. So, and, and I'm going to be, play the devil's advocate and say, you know, when, when the promise is that you can lose large amounts of weight and um, do it quickly and relatively easily without, because there's not a lot of, you know, sweating it out, weightlifting, portion control, none of that is into it. So none of the the human elements of self-control or investment in time and effort come into this conversation. Um, it's pretty tempting it's it's pretty tempting for people and i feel like the and again uh, you know that's why i have you on the show because you're representing <laughs> the the educated um 
professional body that yeah. that offers a realistic solution is I feel like people from your field, you know, clinical nutritionists, dietitians, naturopaths, they need to have a louder voice about the options that do actually get quick results. So I'll, I'll just give you an example. And of course, I am not an expert in anything or, and that's why I surround myself with experts. Mm. When um, I started doing intermittent fasting, it was like, the magic bullet for me. Yeah, like yeah. when we talk about all of these amazing, like the nirvana of the right weight, a clear head, great skin, energy, libido boost, all of that. I got that from from within six weeks of intermittent fasting. And it it really was the joy of joys to discover for me. I, I couldn't believe no one had told me about this before. And so the results were fast and the results have been long-term and the results have been safe. And I didn't get, you know, a, a Zampic face and I didn't get um, the mood swings and everything. I, I, you know, I adjusted my fasting accordingly, but it, it took, I think until I was like 45, 46, I'm 49 now. Yeah. 46 before I even learned about it. And I kind of stumbled upon across it from all the studying that I was doing. So I'm wondering, should the professional bodies have a louder voice? And, you know, and what aren't they telling us about the alternatives so that these, you know, quick fixes like shakes or speed or um, injections, they get all the lion's share of conversation? Oh, look, they definitely should. And that's probably half the reason I have a media role is, is exactly to, to have a louder voice in this. And my, my, first, my primary objective with being a nutritionist in the media is to educate people, is to talk about all these different elements that you've discussed. It's talking about, you know, with you, for example, what worked for you was intermittent fasting. Now, that doesn't work for everyone. And I'm because, aware of that. I'm yeah, absolutely aware yeah. of that. So, and, you know, I did Atkins when I was in my 30s. Uh, you know, I was getting married and I wanted to, like, drop. So I did high protein. And, yeah, it worked, but it doesn't. It's not sustainable and no, it's, it's a not. miserable way to eat. <laughs> absolutely. I couldn't even. It's, so, it's awful. There's only so much bacon and black coffee a girl can have. I know. Not sexy. Oh, it's not, and it, <laughs> and, it, and it leaves you constipated, and you've got issues with breath, and there's lots of other things. Mood, other, mood, mood, mood. I know. I don't. I'm not. I'm so against anything that doesn't have. I'm pretty sure I tried food. to call off my wedding because I was hungry. <laughs> I know. I know. I understand that. Look, I'm I'm doing my best in my industry. I'm um, I'm talking about as many things as I can. Um, you wrote I three do, books. Let's talk I've about your books. books. I just want to start just before we go into the books. I just want to mention I did um, in January this year. I did talk about Ozempic on sun on weekend sunrise or sunrise, but one, no weekend sunrise because I was I, in a forum with um a, with a GP because I was so passionate about sharing with people what I'm sharing with um your gorgeous self today. So it's um yeah. So I I do want uh, to tell you something though, and. I take another diabetes drug. And again, I'm not an expert. I, mm -hmm. This was prescribed to me by a doctor who's done all my blood works for the past four years. I do my blood works every six months. I take metformin and yeah. I, I take metformin as a regenerative medicine mm -hmm. because of the incredible body of evidence around it being fantastic for 
all sorts of health issues. So uh, preventing diabetes, preventing cardiovascular disease, uh, balancing your glycemic index. Uh, it, it's fantastic for collagen production. It's great for brain fog. And I started taking it at the time that I was perimenopausal and I continued to take it. But one of the long-term side effects of taking metformin was weight loss in the kind of around the belly area. Yeah. And it it definitely isn't like a, a quick fix. It it takes about six months for it to kick in, but it does also work on any kind of stored fat. And and I'm and I did that in conjunction with you know the exercise that I do, the all the health rituals that I follow, um, the intermittent fasting that I do, but that, I mean, that's a diabetes medication. That's not really prescribed generally, uh, unless you go to a functional doctor um, as, as a health supplement. But I take it for anti-aging and rejuvenation. And, and it really, really, really works for me. And I know, and you're, you're one of many. I hear that story all the time. Just exactly what you've shared with me um, is, is uh, I've heard from many of my patients. And I'm always, in, I have nothing against that. I'm I always... mean, they use metformin in pre-IVF as well, because yeah. uh, for men and women, because yeah. it helps with sperm mobility, it helps with uh, egg health. And um, so, I mean, there's a lot of evidence around it, but it's not a weight loss drug. I mean, God knows it's it takes ages for for that benefit to kick in, but it does kick in. And I always say, like, we're all different and, and I, I'm doing treatment programs in my clinic for everyone and I can tell you right now, not one of my patients who sees me face-to-face is on the same program because yep. there is so many variables that come into play. Are they a shift worker? Are they a this? Do they, and what's their mental health like? What's their sleep like? What's their stress like? Are they emotionally happy? Are they, what is their genetics? You know, there's just so many, any disease profiles. So, there's so many, and I and what works for one won't work for someone else. Yeah, so, Sarah, do um, you ask your um, clinical clients to take DNA tests or blood tests? Is that part of the work that you do? Are you interested in that functional medicine side of things? A hundred percent. You can't see me, so my my PA. If you were to make an appointment with me, my PA part of you to to come into my clinic, you'd have to have come in with a series of bloods. The reason being is I am not going to waste my time or their time by starting them on a treatment program. If, for example, let's just talk about weight loss. If someone comes into my clinic and they want to lose, you know, uh, let's just say I want to lose 15 kilos and they've been struggling, whatever. If I am working with them and we're not seeing results because I'm all about results. I work hard. I'm by your side. I want results. But if I'm starting with someone who may have, and in, um, an underactive thyroid, iron deficiency, or specifically a vitamin D deficiency, it's going to affect my program. So they have to come in. They're the three things I really look at for weight loss because, I mean, for just for because that's energy. Low energy will lead to can lead to elevated cortisol, can lead to not poor compliance. You know, there's all, all these things that come into play. So, as a, in my clinic, you have to, my PA will tell you, give you a list of bloods to go and get and come in. And it makes it effective for me to start from the beginning from the right place so I know what I'm doing and um, and for my patient to get results. And a lot of them come in, I, and, you know, we discover things and they'll go, I had no idea I had 
really low iron. And I had no idea. That's why I'm tired and my hair is falling out. You know, or someone will say something like, you know, it's all, it's vitamin D as well. I mean, we're so slip, slop, slap, you know, conditioned here that every single patient I see is borderline um, incredibly low vitamin D. I would never see the average, the our vitamin D guidelines are 50 to, on the pathology form of 50 to 200. I would be very, uh, mine's 120, like I've got my vitamin D up because that's so important for energy, for calcium absorption. Um, And post-menopause too, like in perimenopause, post-menopause, vitamin D, like it's such an underrated um, marker. It it, it needs a loud voice and I give it as much. I used to do, I did, I've done a few segments on vitamin D and it's linked to weight gain too. So that's, that's. um, I I ask you that question because last year, I was so amazed by the difference understanding my internal health dashboard gave me like, and again, as I said, I discovered it in my mid Mm forties and I thought, gosh, imagine if you got this information from your twenties in your thirties and, and, and did it all the time that I actually launched a virtual clinic as part of Ageless and partnered with a pathology company because so many of my readers and listeners were saying, but my doctor doesn't do these tests, so I don't know who to see. So we partnered with a pathology company and and I worked with a naturopath to determine, I think, a set of seven functional health tests that you can order online with us. And then this company will send you the pathology reports. You go and get um, the bloods or the stool test, and then they send the results to you and your health practitioner, or you can have a telehealth consult with their doctor to review your results. And then from there, make recommendations. And I also add to that DNA testing, which I think is hugely informative and interesting. And as you said, it helps your practitioner make much more informed decisions about the path that they're going to put you on and the compliance and um, the likelihood of success. But I, I am I'm really um, interested when I speak to experts on how much reliance they place on understanding the internal dashboard. And yeah, of course, it makes sense that you do it because, you know, you get great results. But yeah, I, I wanted to ask that question. Yeah, because- yeah. I- I'm and then surprised. how often do you ask your um, patients or do you review those results? Well, it depends on what we're treating. So, for example, if I'm working alongside a GP, and I do that a lot, so if I'm working alongside a GP, say, in lowering someone's cholesterol, because I will see a lot of people who have gone to the GP, the GP says, okay, you've got to go on statins, and they're like, ah. So they, the GP, I will, I will see these people and, Within six months, I will get someone just with diet. I will get there and a few little supplements, like some just good, really good quality fish oil. I will just work at getting their cholesterol down. So I know how to get cholesterol down with diet within 12 weeks. But what we do, so I will get those, for example, it just depends on what I'm treating, if we're on how often I would test, because um, if it's functional testing can be, it can be incredibly expensive. I'm always very mindful. It is expensive. Of, it is expensive. It is. And I'm very mindful, especially in today's current climate with interest rates and all what I, I only prescribe supplements when they're essential. Um, I always work with food first, but there is a lot of cases, especially when it comes to gut health, where I just need to get some good bacteria in there and, and I need to really give this patient some relief. And, and so I'm a very big believer in probiotics and very against any kind of at laxative or, or stool relaxing um, 
medications over the counter because there is a recent study that came out that clearly demonstrated that anyone who uses uh, laxatives long term has got a 51% increased risk of dementia. So, and that just, and so these kind of things. And I, is that because I, of the gut bacteria that they're... It, it's that, but also it's it's just all that gut-brain axis, that link yeah. to it. There's a lack yes. of good bacteria. The bacteria is being eradicated all the time through that rapid, um, through probably what diarrhea and, and just the just the, irrit the bowel being constantly irritated. Mm. It's not a good microbiome. It's not a healthy environment. So there is that increase. So... So look, there's it, everyone's individual. We're all what works for one, what doesn't work for other. When it comes to testing, I will if if money's not an object, I would do a, and we'll do more functional testing. If um, it just it, it depends, but uh, and also when I'm working alongside specialist doctors, when we're looking at like getting people off something more serious like blood pressure medications, because I do a lot of work with reversing people off medication. So they if it, but that also. For me to get someone on medication, I also have to have the patient that has, if there's a big onus there as a responsibility of someone's health because they're already in a disease state. Yeah. So when you're doing that kind of stuff, the patient has to work, I mean, alongside you. For example, blood pressure. I get my patients to take their blood pressure three times a day. They have to put it into a spreadsheet. We have to sit there, we monitor it. Spreadsheet goes 30 days later to the GP or the cardiologist, and then we tweak the medication. And then we tweak it again. And then we move it to every second day. And then that person, person but there's only a certain type of patient who will do that. And it's the patient who is interested in long-term health and wellness, not the short fix, which is that same kind of Ozempic conversation we had. So one of the things that I know you're a specialist at and you're very, very passionate about, you you walk this talk. Is, <laughs> Thank, um, you. Thank you. Is, is that kind of ageless piece and that, you know, uh, the number on the scale, the number on the calendar is it, it's irrelevant. It's about energy. It's about, um, you know, health. It's about radiance. It's about um, how you feel and behave and move uh, in your body. And I think I, I want to kind of bring the conversation uh, back to um, health span and lifespan and <sighs> that the, the, one of the sincere goals of nutritional correction and balance should really be towards extending the quality of our health and as we are aging so that, you know, in your 70s, in your 80s, you can still be in your body and enjoy it. You can still be fit, be energized, be flexible, be healthy, be, you know, in control of your, um, you, you know, the vessel that that you're operating in for as long as possible. And I, I'm wondering, do, you know, do you see a lot of people in perimenopause and menopause and, and what are they asking for from a clinical nutritionist? What do they want other okay. than weight loss? You know, we've talked a lot about weight management, but what about health span, energy span, libido wellness again so I see a lot I see so many women I see a lot more perimenopause than I would actual menopause when I think about it if I was to see um, menopause related patients if I would probably um, I, I would say 70 percent 70 to 80 percent of those patients who are coming to me for that reason would be perimenopause patients but also I have the menopause ones as well now the menopause people I see are people who have um, they have 
they have just fallen into that category of severe menopause symptoms of anxiety, the, the anxiety, the hot sweats, the hot flushes that have become uncontrollable and they don't want to do HRT. They want to see if there's another option. So I will work with them more crisis intervention and we go for more symptom relief. I do, of course, overhaul their diets and I'll talk about menopause and then I'll talk about my perimenopause patients. Menopause, treating menopause patients who are in the eye but is acute. But what I do see, what I, what I, and they're just, they just want to, they just want their quality of life back. Um, there is some great supplements that, that can, you know, that you can, that you can take. I will always look at lowering inflammation. Inflammation is a very key player in driving uh, menopause symptoms. Um, I get them off alcohol. I just say you can't drink. You, it's just going to make those hot flushes ten times worse. Spicy foods, caffeine, those kind of things. Obviously, no junk food, fried food, fatty foods. That's just like 101. And then we just look at sort of really like that hormonal clearance. We get into a healthy diet. Like I will look at um, just a lot of uh, at, at their fiber intake because I want their bowel working well to absorb any kind of excess hormone and because and the hormone will bond that and, and, and make sure the liver is supported where the sex hormone binding globulins were produced and so I do that kind of work with them, but I also work with them with magnesium supplementation because of the uh, moods and the um, also issues with sleep. So sleep's a big player, insomnia. So we look at insomnia. We, I do that kind of stuff with them. And, and um, But I do see this. But who would have known that you can go to a clinical nutritionist for all of this advice? Because the medical system itself is overloaded. And I always, always, I, I have, honestly, I would get maybe 20 messages a week asking for who who can they see and it never uh, to be honest it never occurred to me uh that you know a clinical nutritionist can provide this kind of support and advice and that it so much of it has to do with diet and nutrition uh, you know I I, it you, didn't occur to me I have to I have to tell you one of the most rewarding things that I, I love and I've got goosebumps now one of the most I get one of why I do what I do is I I will have people write to me who've done 1010 diet because 1010 diet also lowers all the symptoms of inflammation. Um, but I will have people, my patients walk in and I'll be like, how are you going? You know, what, what are the sweats? How many today? And, that, and and the thing about nutrition is it's not, a, it's not, a, you don't take a pill and it's fixed. It, you know, you're working and it's a, it's usually a, a 12 week program to really kind of get people to see results. And for someone to walk in and go, oh, hot flushes. Oh, Oh, I haven't had one for ages. They do things like that. And to me, I'm like, when I, and I go back to my notes and I'll say, when I met you, we, you were having like 10 flushes a day. And they go, oh, I'm not feeling anxious anymore. And I'll just say, and I cannot tell you how 90, the supplements are great, magnesium, but you've got your magnesium rich foods. I've got these people having leafy greens and I've got them having nuts and all that. I'm finding we've got food as medicine, but I, and um, it is so much of it. And an interesting thing is, the word hot flushes in um, Japanese women don't even have any hot flushes because their body fat's so low. Menopause comes with an elevated inflammation. The symptoms are worse. And I see this clinical picture come in. And this is the menopause lady. She comes in, she's sort of woken up, got on the scales and gone, oh, I feel dreadful. I've gained X amount of weight. I'm tired. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to intermittent fast, but they'll make the mistake of going to the brewster and getting to getting a large, you know, a large, you know, latte with, you know, three or 400 calories in it. And then they'll get a second coffee, won't eat till lunchtime, but they've already had 500 calories in takeaway barista coffees because they're tired. Lunch, oh, I'll just do a protein and salad. 
no protein, they haven't eaten properly throughout the day. In the afternoon, they just get the sugar fix because of the cortisol dip, the afternoon slump, go home, feel gross because they're not nutrient, they're not, they're not nourishing their body with nutrients. Fugin and tonics. Yeah, walk in. Exactly. You know. <laughs> Then they have the alcohol, either the wine, the three or four wines or the couple of gin and tonics. Then the alcohol impacts their liver. They wake up and impacts their serotonin. They wake up, the poor sleep, and it's a cycle. And I'll say to them, you're having a 1,000 calories a day in liquid calories because of your wines and gins and barista coffees. And and I just say that's like, you know, compare that to food. And so I just do a whole education on it. But as for the perimenopause people I see, these are more preventative. So they come in with a few symptoms. The first thing will be my periods are regular or it's my period's really heavy or my period's heavy and then really light and then, or just start, they, they're aware and they just, and because of that whole, you're going to go through menopause and put on 10 kilos, they come in and preventative. So they come in and go, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be the person who has gone through menopause and at, at you know sixty kilos and come out at seventy and just feel like an you know I've just gone from a pear shape to an apple shape and I feel dreadful. So they're great patients to work with because I what I do is a complete dietary overhaul. We look at what they're doing. We look at holistic approach. You know we look at their everything to do with their life and we correct it from the periphery all around to diet to everything, exercise, sleep, emotions. Um, food prep, whatever it is. And I always say to this woman, if you get yourself to a healthy weight, and I'm all about a healthy weight, I'm not about everything to me is about your healthy weight. And your healthy weight is when body fat, for me, I don't look at a number on a scale, I look at body fat. So for me, the body fat's got to be down into a healthy range. So and I and I don't believe in, I don't like the words fat, don't like the word skinny, because both of them to me are unhealthy. And so we get to women and some women's healthy weight, healthy weight, if they're six foot two, might be 80 kilos. You know, we're all different. And so we work at, and I just educate along the way, the importance of keeping inflammation down, anti-inflammatory foods to include every day, you know, your avocado, fatty fish, nuts, olive oil. We, we, we and diet. I think it's interesting because there's a lot, all of this information, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, we've heard it, yeah. but it's having an expert say, okay, when we say you can have a coffee while you're intermittent fasting, it's not like a milkshake. You're not meant to be having a milkshake. You're meant to be having a black a coffee, coffee yeah. with maybe a little shot of milk if you can't right. stand that. But when you start having a milkshake twice before you get to lunch, these are the effects. Or when you say, you know, uh, essential fatty acids from avocado, you're not meant to have like the equivalent of four avocados in a smashed avocado that's a lot of calories that's a you lot of yeah, fat my, that you, you don't need you only need a quarter of an avocado to get the health benefits and i that's what i tell my and patients no one knows all of that so we yeah. know the big motherhood statements but <laughs> we don't know the the refined i'm going to ask you something because yes. we're both mums and your kids um are a little older than my lily but, you know, ultimately, when we're raising children in our own household, we are the custodian of their health and their well-being and their weight and their energy and their attitudes towards food and wellness. And, you know, what works for me as an adult is not right for my child. And certainly, you know, I, I'm at that precipice of her being very, very body aware. And I, I really... I don't know where to get good information about raising a healthy 
um, you know, aware, healthily aware child. And I, and I also get sometimes anxious about, you know, the, the nutritional, um, variety that I'm giving her, um, it, where do you get information? Do you see parents so that they can be, you know, better custodians of their children's health or do you see children? You know, what, what are some things that we can do? Because I learned all this at 45 because I, you know, surrounded myself with a raft of experts. I wish I'd learned it in my 20s. I wish I learned it in my teens. I know. Okay. So I'm just going to start by saying I am the mother of three girls. I'm a single mother. I've raised them for the last 10 years by myself, 100%. They're now almost 14, 18 and 20. So what you're doing with your gorgeous Lily is something that has been at the forefront of my uh, of my parenting. Um, if I do ever get time in my life, I would do a speaker's circuit about this and visit schools um, because it's really important. Um, it's very, it's so important for the girls of our generation i'm going to start with parents first so you're you that's, you're, that's ac- actually yeah. right because we're the custodians correct you know, your we child, make the decisions yeah your child is a sponge and yeah. she, everything everything she is watching everything that you're eating and you're doing as my kids watched everything i was eating and doing first of all a to learn from you b they care about you and they want to know that you're doing the right thing so I look, I started with my children from a very young age, and I can honestly say, hand on my heart, I am so proud of my three daughters and their relationship with body image, self worth, self esteem, and food. First of all, I've raised three incredible daughters who have an amazing self esteem without raising narcissists, because there's a fine line with narcissism and good self esteem in a parent from a parenting perspective. Um, I always did, did believe in raising kids with a good sense of, um, Self, self-esteem because they if someone's got good self-esteem they're going to make good decisions within their life and that could be about who they associate with who they partner with and also how they treat their body um I my kids were lucky enough for having me as a mum with my career and and my profession and my passions for me to educate them so I always believed in the why not you need to eat your broccoli I would just say look the reason why I want you to eat the broccoli, first of all, it's a great source of fiber, but it's also got a magic in it called vitamin A, which is great for your vision, vitamin C, you won't get sick. It's like medicine in broccoli that's all natural, vitamin K for your bone to keep your calcium there. So I always would explain why I wanted my children to do certain things. So they understood that without being, t- I don't ever believe in telling you with ch- raising children, don't tell them because they just hear an instruction. You have to explain. And if you don't know the answer, Google it and sit there and say, <clears throat> look, I really want you to eat these carrots because well, not only they're delicious, but you know, for other reasons. So that's my big thing with parenting. Um, parenting children, I never had food on the table. I always had food. I would always, I would never believe in, I didn't ever believe, even though I'm Greek, <laughs> in having food down the center of a table because it doesn't give them a sense of what they're eating because if they keep on loading up on their plate, they're not understanding. Well, I'm Iranian, so I hear you. <laughs> and I we just had a here and yeah. we were at my aunt's and, you know, the, the Iranian feast comes out with 55 dishes, absolutely, you know, and it's a free-for-all. And I personally came home <laughs> ready to pass out. Like, yeah. I, I thought, I, my God, my you know, the poor kids. And, like, when you grow up in that kind of culture, it's a free for all. 
It totally is. And I look, I grew up with that with that as well. And it's also very rude in those cultures not to oh, eat totally. because you're you're offending the host. Oh, I was told. I knew all that. And so oh, yeah. um that so um so with my children, it doesn't matter if I've gone out and spent a huge amount of money on something like lamb cutlets or whatever it is. I sit them, I serve them a plate and I and so they know what portions look like. So I've I said, here's your dinner, that's enough for your body. And for example, if one of my kids said, Mum, I don't want to eat anymore, I'm full, I wouldn't say, Well, you can't eat anything else for the rest of us. That's okay. I'm gonna chop it up and I'll put it in a thermos for lunch tomorrow at school. So I did a lot of that kind of stuff. I don't I believe in 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 listening to a human's off switch. Now, that doesn't mean any of my kids are gonna go and, you know, go and eat packets of chips or something after, because they just wouldn't do that because it's a genuine communication. Whereas historically, you know, eat everything on your plate, you know, do da da. So I always would just get them to listen to their own bodies and my children now, I look at them now and they're like, I've, I've had enough, I don't feel like that. And I'm like, that's okay. So I, I'm not a traditional person in as far as, I mean, my my personal eating is completely, is not traditional. I, I do it, by, I live on circadian rhythms and that's my big belief. So, um, so with raising kids, education, talk to them about the why, you know, why you want them to do but, things. But, but my point is that like half the time the adults haven't got a good handle on it. So, you know, we're passing on all of our pathology and also terrible habits. Exactly as you said, they watch, they hear, they learn, they absorb by osmosis. Mm-hmm. Um, and and do, you, do you suggest any kind of pathway uh, for getting better educated so that even if we're not at our optimal health or, you know, ex- doing everything right ourselves, that at least the people that we are responsible for who are learning these habits from a, from us have a better chance of, you know, not having to wait till they're in their mid-40s or post-menopause or with a health crisis before yeah. they reevaluate their decisions around nutrition and health and wellness. I think that this should be part of the curriculum. So I, I one, one thing I see, and I mean, I'm just going to touch on eating disordered behaviour, is a lot of girls, and this is a, only really for female, does touch on males only on a very mild percentage. A lot of girls, and you'll see a lot of girls around 15, 16, put on a significant amount of weight. Now, a lot of that weight's a hormonal weight. But the thing is, I believe that women should be taught to, we've got our, our body in growth, which, which demands high calorie. And then we settle into our growth anywhere from 16 to 18 as females and 21 for males and 25 for the brain. I believe that females need to be taught an adult diet. Um, and I think that this is part of it because what happens is I've got I've got a book in me about this. One day I'm going to write this book. Well, that's what I'm asking for. Yeah. What can I, I, I read? What can I do? Where can well, I go? I, I'm gonna, I can't wait for the education system to catch up. Like it's not coming yet. It's not coming. So, so what, what are the resources right now that you recommend? So, you know, you're saying that by the time, uh, a person gets to 15, 16, they should be educated about an adult diet. Yeah. And before that, it should be to uh, about, help about them understand. Help them understand. Like with my children, I, I just taught them. It's got, I mean, look, at, at right now it has to come from the home and the parent and it just and a parent's interest. Like 
you know, you've got that vested interest. I do. We both are, we both love the health space. I mean, that's. But, but we think, love the health space. My point is that, you know, there was a time where I didn't. No. I, well, I, didn't. I came home and ate a packet of gummy bears in well, front of my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> well, half the reason I, well, I'm going to be really honest. When I was 15, I, my career choice was a, to be a marine archaeologist. I was in love with an, Indiana Jones and I wanted to. And, but I wanted to be a diver and I did get my, I am a, a, a licensed diver, but I never ended up obviously doing that because I have. Not too uh, late, Sarah. I know I'm done with Never culture. too late. <laughs> um, but my, um, so I started as a teenager with non-celiac gluten sensitivity, I had no idea what it was. And I was just thrown into the, into the idiopathic world of you got IBS. So, you know, I would, I, I struggled with, I'm not celiac. I struggled with a high sensitivity to gluten. So I started working on my own diet when I was 16 because I didn't want to compromise my own quality of life and walk around either either distended or constipated or irritated or in, in upper abdominal pain, which is what but I you suffered. would be such an anomaly. Yeah, I, I know. So, such I, an anomaly to go down the health, scientific, discovery, education path. Most young women and some men would immediately slump into body dysmorphia and Correct. strange elimination diets that they didn't understand, and yeah. then disordered eating. Like that, you are definitely an anomaly. I am. I am, and I have made a career out of it. So I, so I did all that, and then the early years of being around modeling industry and different things. Like I just, I, I worked out myself, and I taught myself how to eat the right way at a very and I mean I weigh today at 50 what I weighed when I was 18 my weight's only ever fluctuated out of you know pregnancies and and early early and breastfeeding stages was and that's because I've had always I, I have had and I tell this to people all the time my diet and my wellness is at the forefront of my thought process so I treat how I look at food as a nutrition and I look at it from a science perspective I don't have a relationship with food that creates in, that is associated to emotion or stress. Food, food is to make my and I love that chi. I love that feeling of I love vitality. I'm a, I love feeling and living my life at my best, and my energies are good. Systems are great. Mind is crystal clear. I love all that. Now, yes, I am an anomaly, but I'm I'm also sharing my voice and experience, and and I I, I still today. And have prepped my food for the day. Now I haven't actually physically prepped it, but I still know what I'm going to eat today. And I knew it just ticks around in my mind, like what's today, Friday? What have I got? Da, 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 da. What have I got in the fridge? Da, 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 da. Haven't got that. Would fancy that? Feel like that? Da, whatever. So it's always something that's at the front of my thoughts. So it's different. And you so have a and you have a healthy relationship with those front of head thoughts, yeah. and you've got the scientific backing. So I guess for, for those of us who haven't, then there are the resources in like programs, like, um, you know, going to an expert. But I want to go back. We we touched books. on books. books. I want to go books, back to your books, books, books. because yeah. one of the things that I really loved when we were speaking before doing the show is that you want to drop the word diet completely oh, from all of word. your publications. Mm. And you are, uh, you know, multiple best-selling time selling author you've sold over 80,000 books and your first book is called the 1010 diet your second book is 1010 recipes and um 
the third book is called 1010 well like so the first book yeah 1010 kickstart no diet word in that one exactly because I I insisted I just put my foot down which I really really like but let's talk about 1010 because one of the things that it circles back to the beginning of our conversation is that in 1010 yeah you're actually promising similar results to something like Ozempic. Correct. The yeah. same amount of weight loss in the same kind of time frame, mm-hmm. but it is forever and it mm-hmm. doesn't make you ugly and it doesn't make you stressed and it doesn't make you want to kill yourself or <laughs> have nausea Bomber, and di- diarrhea and exactly. constipation. So let's talk about from your research what 1010 is about. And we won't call it diet. What is what is the philosophy okay. of 1010 eating and nutrition? Okay, so there's so much. I mean, look, I'm going to start with saying um, 1010 was born in, in about 10 years ago. So 1010 is based on my on how I live. So that was the foundation because uh, that's why I, I want to know about it. Okay, so the good. 10. Thank you, darling. I just 10, saw you in a bikini on the weekend, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I'm going to take your advice. Okay, I'll take your advice. <laughs> okay, so 1010. The, the 1010 foundation is based on how I live, and I started writing it and prescribing it in, in my own clinic with my patients 10 years ago because I just didn't want to do other diets because I didn't agree with them for whatever reasons and I didn't think that they worked. Now, all the, and I'm an evidence-based practitioner. I'm a, I, in my spare time, I read studies and I'm obsessed with constantly evolving and research and findings and I love my space. The reason why it's 10, so 10, 10 uh, is um, 10 kilos in 10 weeks. Now, the average person wants to lose and there'd be a small amount that was going to lose the last five, but most people who would who are really focused on weight loss want to lose between 10 to 15 or plus kilos, but that's the average. Keeping in mind that a dress size is actually five to eight kilos. So when we lose, people think a dress size is about two kilos. Now, the reason why I wanted to do it over 10 weeks, because all the science clearly demonstrates that if you do something for longer than 66 days, you are going to make a lifelong habit about habit of habit. That's right. Neuroscience yep. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So rewire the pathway, yep. it Correct. becomes you. Yes. And so that's why it's 10 weeks, because I am going to change your life and I am going to teach you. So that's why. And the other reason why it's 10 kilos is because I'm a very big believer in preserving our gorgeous muscle, being divinely hydrated, but only losing body fat. The human body cannot lose more than anywhere between sort of 0.8 to about 1.2 maximum 1.5 depending on your size um the 1.5 would be people who are like 140 kilos yeah um the people around 70 to 80 kilos it's about 0.8 and the people are around 100 kilos it's about a kilo the human body cannot physically move more fat than that within a week. So when you lose weight. Unless you have like severe trauma, because I have literally lost like double, nearly double digits in a, in a month before. In yeah. And, and, but that's stress. Okay. That's fluid as well. Yes. So that weight loss is fat, fluid and muscle. Yeah. I'm only, I'm a fat loss expert. I don't believe I want the body I, and the muscle loss. And, you know, it, to regain muscle, you know, to actually be able absolutely, to yeah, and especially that. at that perimenopause, menopausal stage, that it is the last thing you want to lose. You last yeah. thing you oh. want to lose is your muscle, your strength, your structure. Correct. And so, so basically, the ten ten, the, and and we're look. I just hate the word diet because I think it's such a negative word because it's like a start finish, and it's almost like you do this. The 1010 diet means you do you adopt a style of eating for a period of time. But at that period of time finishes, people revert back to their old normal that puts the weight back on. Now the 1010 diet is a foundation. So what I, I still 
I will, it's a gorgeous diet that has lots of, uh, I still include legumes. The people still have to have a piece of fruit every day. Uh, it's just, it's about, it's three cups a day of salad and vegetables, low pro, it's high, it's lean proteins. Um, I do have carbohydrate in there in the form of apples and, and fruit. And I do have legumes in there and chia seeds and, uh, and beans, but I, I remove just the big complex carbs for a period of time to be able to get the body in a ketogenic state. Now, ketosis is the, the keto diet has ruined that word, but ketosis is a fat burn. And that fat burn, it, I see people going to ketosis who can still consume almost 100 grams of carbohydrate a day, given that the average human needs about 350 grams of carbohydrate a day. I can see people get into that. So I stay, I carefully studied food, even though the recipes look gorgeous and healthy, I carefully studied food to be able to sort of look at between around 50 to 70 grams of carbohydrate in a day. Can I interrupt in, you in just on my, is ketosis the same as thermogenics or are they Therm two separate? So thermogenics is like when they talk about that thermogenics, it's the, the heat. So yes, when you so the, I understand that, yeah, but ketosis so, doesn't heat up your body to create no. the. Uh, so right. what what so what what ketosis does is you first of all you've got to deplete your body of glucose in the blood, and glycogen, which is stored carbohydrate in the muscle. So it takes it anywhere from four days to up to ten days, depending on who you are, to get into that state. So when the body has depleted glycogen and glucose, basically the body goes, oh, what am I going to do? I've got to survive. So it freaks out. So in that time, you feel dreadful, you get a heart headache and you just feel awful for a very, and as I said, that headache can be just a little, a little sharp pain there to anything into a, um, a, a keto flu where you feel completely compromised. So that what's the body's doing is it's drawing triglycerides from the blood. Triglyceride is a fat cell. So tri is a glycerol attached to three fatty acids. So that's a fat cell in our blood takes it into the liver, within the liver, this is how gorgeous and amazing the human body is, it cleaves away that cell structure and then it big dumps it back into the bloodstream as a ketone. That ketone is then used as an energy source. So effectively when you're in ketosis, you're, I always say to my patients, you're dining in because the, <laughs> fat, the, the fat that you're storing is going into the, and it's a wonderful cycle to be in because you're, you've got fat going into the blood, liver, blood, energy, and we lose fat through our breath. We don't poo and we out fat. Two prerequisites for anyone doing these. Um, really? Yes. Fat comes out in breath, a bit in sweat, but breath. So we I breathe it out. Comes out as comes, comes out as carbon dioxide. So we breathe it out. So the fat breaks down. The fat will break down into atoms, and the atoms come out throughout osmosis into our lungs and out as carbon dioxide. So that's why exercise, in particular cardiovascular, is really important for healthy weight loss and hydration to support the liver. Livers need to be hydrated. A hydrated liver where we're metabolizing these fats is so important. So the 1010 diet is about healthy ketosis. And what it does is it's a foundation. So what you're doing is you've got a menu plan that you follow. Now, I refuse to put macro splits, calorie counts. I'm not doing that. I teach everyone in the doing that because it's not, it's not, it's not long term. Like, what are you going to do? Walk around with a book your whole life to count calories? Knows and, we did that. Yeah, I mean, exactly. That, yeah, we've but, done that. So I always teach people to look at your own hand as your guideline of your portion because we're all different shapes and sizes. So we always say this is your palm size portion of protein. Then you've got in the, and you know, you've got your one and a half cups, cupped handfuls of salad and vegetables in a meal. And then you've got your for a female one 
that's your serving of carbohydrate for a male it's two or it depends on energy and stuff but I always and I always like to teach people to eyeball but the eyeball like the the food portion right well I mean that's that's, perfect you always have your eyes with you yeah exactly so the 1010 book the first book has got basically my brain that you've been hearing for the last hour almost has got my brain every roadblock that is that compromises metabolic health everything in there it's sleep stress relationship with food energy so there's like 45,000 words in there of my brain of about every possible there's every possible aha moment you could have of oh that's why oh that's why well I'll correct this and I'll correct that and I tell anyone who buys the book to go to the GP and I also um, talk to people. I've got a Facebook community called the Sarah Lorenzo community for people because I believe in the buddy up system, supporting each other, lifting each other up, um, celebrating non-scale victories like dress sizes drop, better mood, better libido. Non-scale victories. Yes. Gosh, that's cute. I like I that. love that. Yeah, like yes. uh, there's nothing, you know, it, like people like. I don't have a scale. I've never had a scale. Scales are just. Never. Awful. I've They're never just... had a scale in my life. Oh, I love hearing terrified. that. And you know what? When I was pregnant. And my obstetrician wanted to weigh me. I always used to say to him, don't tell me how much I weigh because it will actually mess with my head. Yeah, I don't want to know. Just let me know if I'm too fast, too slow, whatever. But I don't want to see the weight because I definitely, definitely get tripped up by that and become, and the times that I have been weighed, so say I've gone to a health retreat and they've told me, I've totally obsessed about it. Yeah, totally. and that, and it, and it will ruin someone's day. And the thing is, a weight fluctuation. Or you get super excited and you hang on to something, but you're not really that healthy. Like I've no. been. Yeah, I get it. It's I, I always talk I about like that, that. non scale. Yeah, everything's non scale. Yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> and then after I wrote that, I realized that because that that diet's been a mixture. Of, I realized there were so many people of different vegans, vegetarians, seasons, pescatarians. So I wrote a recipe book to as a companion to that book for people who did 1010 diet who were like well I'm a pescatarian or I'm vegan and so I wrote recipes for them that they could slot into the 1010 program right which which for all so they could go look I want it's winter I want soups and stews and all that kind of stuff and then so that's a big recipe book and each book's got a little maintenance program in there and then my third book kickstart has got 66 um, smoothies in there because I'm a very big believer in food as medicine. They're medicinal smoothies. So let's just say, for example, you're on a health journey and you've got high cholesterol. I've got cholesterol-lowering smoothie, menopause smoothie, migraine smoothie, incontinent smoothie, energy smoothie, sleep smoothie, everything, all of that. So that if you are doing 1010 or if you're someone who's just wanting to get better health, that, or you're wanting to beat fight, you know, arthritis, and you've got your medications, and you want to use food as medicine. And then what? The other half of the 1010 Kickstart is for, and and, and they that look, they should be called wellness programs, but they're sort of called detox programs. But I view detox very differently to what society thinks of that word. So the word detox for people would be like, oh my god, I'm going to have to drink some bizarre tea or. Or, or it has it has a negative connotation. So detox for me is about supporting our detox pathways, our liver, our kidneys, our, our gastrointestinal tract, sweating. So I want to support that with gorgeous nutrient dense diet, and I'm all about solutions. So I've got four programs: detox slash wellness programs. Mm. At the other half of Kickstart, which is a one day, three day, ten day, four week, and they're all and all recipes included to really support 
Uh, a kickstart into look, a kickstart in as far as I went out last night, I overate, I feel disgusting. How can I support myself the next day to counter overindulging? That's um, day, that's program one. Pro program three is probably the, someone who's just eaten like they've had moments to live between Christmas and New Year. <laughs> and they've just gone, I just want to kickstart into just feeling great with this gorgeous nutrient dense, and it's all about nutrient density. And then the 10 days, someone who is a little bit more thinking I want to shift a couple of kilos I want to just get my chi back and I want to focus and get my mindset four week would be someone who probably had issues with their whose gut wasn't working well massive stress issues with sleep um, probably liver issues from drinking too much or whatever too much socializing and they've all got the programs to match and um and I've just finished my fourth book which will be out in September <laughs> well there is no rest for you but I, I really wanted to touch on the books because Exactly as you said before, sometimes it's outside of the realms of possibility to go and be treated by a clinical nutritionist mm. or a naturopath or a doctor um, or to have all the functional health tests that we talk about. But but a book is is pretty easy and nutrition is accessible to everyone and using your eyes as the guideline doesn't require you to have any special set of scales or measuring instruments. Uh, but self-education is a wonderful place to start. And I think Absolutely. that this has been such a beautiful conversation. Oh. And I, I've learned so much. I've learned so much. And it's redoubled my interest and commitment to nutrition as a pathway to energy. And chi is the word that you oh. use so often. And it really resonates when you say it, because that's exactly what you want. You want that energy. You want that vitality vitality that clarity that confidence Happy. that you're in Happy. that you're in control of your destiny so I will yeah I, I'm going to go out and get the books and, <laughs> thank you darling and, thank you. and I really really want to thank you for sharing your beautiful insights and your non-judgmental insights about you know different ways to approach yes this yeah. conversation because you know it doesn't one size doesn't fit all and um it, it was really wonderful to have that conversation with you. And I really want to thank you for being on the show, Sarah. And I just want to thank you for having me as a guest. I could keep talking and talking and talking and talking. We and might talking. have to have you back. I know. You are gorgeous. I love everything you do. I love your voice in the space. And it was an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being on the show with me. I will see you soon. See you soon. Okay. Bye. Ageless by Rescue is brought to you by Rescue Me Academy, Reignite Your Relationship course. Love your relationship but miss the early days? You're not alone. This course will teach you how to identify your issues, stop the fighting, find what you need to be happy, re-spark intimacy and keep the lines of communication open. Join us at rescuemeacademy.com.au to learn more about the program and to download your first free lesson. I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did, please share and rate this episode. I'd love that. 